Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi. We are definitely on the, I don't know, on the road, in the air, over the water. I don't know what you say, Richard, but we are in Hawaii, one of our favorite places on earth in Maui. Yeah, but we're here to work hard, aren't we, honey? We're here to explore unique and varied parenting styles. And um, I was going to do this show from underwater, but uh, because my son Jonah's got a waterproof iPhone, but it would only work down to six feet deep, and we were considerably deeper than that, so we had to come up from our dive to do the radio show. Well, actually, um, that would have been a little bit hard to talk while you were underwater, you know. <laughs> we could hear, oh, that's right. It would, have sounded, it would have sounded a little bubbly. Yeah, exactly. We are here with a most amazing family. This is Jonah, our middle son, number five, and his uh, wife, Asia, and their four darling children, Aniston and Camden and Elsie and Little Poem. And we are having so much fun with them because they are living a very creative lifestyle. I don't know if they even realize how amazing they are. I mean, for example, uh, Jonah knows how to convert old Mercedes station wagons from diesel to greasel. So they get all of their gas for their cars from the local Mexican food place, which is just down around the corner, gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons. And they have gone probably over 150,000 miles on this greasel stuff and it hasn't cost them a penny. They're just absolutely amazing. But they have passed this down to their children, this, this way of living so that they can do things, work hard, and get things for almost nothing. It's amazing. I have to tell you that I was talking to Asia, the mom, uh, while we were out feeding the chickens. They're also, we're on a little farm here, and they're raising chickens and selling eggs. And, and uh, their oldest daughter, Aniston, uh, gathers the eggs and cleans them up every day. And I actually have Aniston sitting right here by me. And you will not find a more delightful radio program than this because Anna is going to tell us a little bit about how she earned her horse. They used to live in Washington State on the Olympic Peninsula. And she decided she wanted a horse more than anything in the world. And actually, this story is in our book called The Entitlement Trap because she is truly amazing. How old were you, Anna, when you started earning your money for that horse? She was about nine when she started. And so I am going to put her on with Richard, and he is going to interview her about how she did this and what she did. Here you go. Okay, this is Aniston. Hi, Aniston. How are you? I'm good. Oh, good. And I think Grammy's told the audience a little about you, that you're quite an amazing 11-year-old, very financially independent. And I'd like you to, a little while ago, and one thing I love about my granddaughter, Aniston, is she loves horses almost as much as me. Do you think almost as much or do you think more, Aniston? I think I love horses more than you, actually. Even even more than me, and that's that's saying quite a lot. But here about two or three years ago, when Anna was maybe nine, she decided she wanted a horse for herself, and she asked her parents for one, and they said, sure, you can have one, but you'll have to earn the money to buy it. And 
most kids would have said, oh, well, then I better not like horses anymore. But Aniston decided to go get one. And Anna, I think you should tell your story of, first of all, why you wanted a horse so bad, and second, how you got one. Okay, so um, I just really loved and had a passion for horses since I was um, really, really little. And uh, my grandpa, who's on right now, uh, he's he always let me ride his horses, and I always just loved them. And we lived in a place where horses were pretty cheap, and I just really wanted one, but it was hard to find one that was right for me. And so I thought, okay, I need to earn this money. How am I going to do it? So when I was littler, I had taken horse lessons, and I'd earned money for that, too, by cleaning bathrooms and for doing lemonade stands and all that. And so I decided, okay, I'm getting a horse. Now I need to raise money for this. So I would sell eggs to the neighbors because we had lots of chickens when we lived there. And I would clean bathrooms again. I would just, and also, um, I also had saved a lot of money from my previous stuff that I had done to raise money. And um, the thing is, when I go into a store, and I see something I really like, do I, I say, do I really need this? Do, am I going to use this a lot? And if I, if I answer no to those questions, then I, I just leave the store and I don't get anything. So that's kind of how I save up my money. So it was kind of funny. Uh, I was riding home on the bus, and I was writing down all the stuff that I would have to get for a horse, like the blanket, the saddle, um, all the feed. And... I got home, and I was just writing down this list. Me and my friend were going through it. And my mom said, hey, I found this post on Craigslist. It said, um, uh, 20-year-old mare, uh, $100, and $100 for tax. And I said, um, okay, I'm going to go check out this horse. And it was kind of funny because I was actually working out the expensive what, if expenses when my mom showed me the posting. So we went and we visited um, this horse. Her name was Coco. She was 20 years old, but she was still in really good shape. She lived on a very small property, so I kind of wanted to give her a better home. So we visited her We visited her about three times. And then um, I decided, okay, I'm going to get this horse. So we went over we borrowed a trailer from one of our friends, and um, I gave him all my my saved money that I had all saved up. I saved every penny, and I got my horse, and I took it home, and I groomed it, and I was just so happy. Now, Anna, let me just let me just say this. I mean, keep in mind, listeners, this is an 11-year-old you're listening to now, a very articulate one, but. When you were doing this, I think you were nine, weren't you, Anna? Yeah, nine, nine and a half, probably. Nine and a half, and and I think one of the most interesting things you've just said is that you really counted the cost. You knew that the cost of a horse was not just how much you paid for the horse; it was also the cost for the tack and all the equipment and. What was the ongoing cost that you had to think about? If you had a horse, that wasn't the end of the expenses, right? Yeah, see, um, I, I just found the cheapest place for hay. I found this guy. He, he sold it for $3 a bale, which is really cheap. And we have a huge grassy property. Um, I did have to get spend 
like a bunch, like $50 on medical stuff because I did 4-H at the time and I was, um, I, had to go, I went to fair and right. I went to the county fair and I showed my horse. So, but the thing is I also raised money from the fair for my ribbons. Like first place was $10. Like if you got how many ribbons you got, it was really cool system. Now I have, I've, I, I, of course, know Coco Ira. I knew Coco. I don't know where Coco is now. She's still in Washington, right? Yeah, she's in Washington with a really nice family. They're not as, they're, they have, like, a lot of money, so they, they take really good care of her. Good care of her. Okay, but I, get home. what I was going to say, yeah, what I was going to say is I, I know Coco, and she is a great horse, but here's the, here's the most telling question, the big question. Do you think that you, let's say that you had said to your dad, hey, dad, I really want a horse, and your dad said, okay, well, why don't I just buy you one, and he'd buy you a horse and, and uh, taken care of it and so on, and all you had to do is sort of ride it and so on. Do you think you would have, you probably would have loved Coco just as much, but would you have appreciated Coco as much, and how how would you have felt differently if you hadn't had to earn all that money and bought your own horse, how how would that change how you would have felt about it? Um. Well, I don't. I feel kind of guilty when people buy stuff for me, because um, it's just kind of unfair. So, um, yeah, I I really don't think I would have enjoyed Coco as much if I hadn't paid for her, because I really knew that I had worked all this stuff and I'd finally gotten my dream. So I, I just had the best time I could with it, and I don't think I could have had that time if I had if I couldn't have raised that money. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. In fact, I I remember the day you got Coco. I mean, explain for a minute the the very day. Remember the day you actually picked her up and brought her home. How how would you describe your feelings on that day when you'd actually You'd worked for a long time, and you'd got this horse, and it was the dream you'd had for many, I guess, many years. So how would you describe the feelings you had on that very day when you brought Coco home? I I was just so happy. I, I just thought it was all a dream. I just did not believe any of it. It was so amazing, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that cool if I hadn't paid for it because my dad would pay for it. He'd be like, here you go. And I'd be like, yeah, I got a horse. But if I, when I raised the money, I, I really understood the worth of the horse, and I was really excited. Yeah, that I sure think you were. I was watching from a distance. But I let me ask you another question. Do you think, um, do you think you probably took care of Coco better than you would have if you hadn't earned the horse. In other words, because you earned everything for Coco, do you think you were pretty conscientious and careful about how you cared for her? Yes, um, I made sure she was really healthy. I didn't want to spend, like, hundreds hundreds of dollars on her, um, like, all of her health and stuff. So I, I talked to my 4-H leader, and I made sure all of the medical stuff that I was buying was needed for her, like, it was... Yeah, and I, I bought some really good hay for her, and I kept, I got this really good grading stuff for the winters. And and I always, I never got new stuff 
from the store for her. I would always get it at garage sales or on Craigslist. So I, would, I would get the hay from uh, this guy. Yeah. Right, right. Because you knew that you really learned through that experience the value of money. Now, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back again. And Aniston may have a few more things to say, but we're going to try to get into the lesson we can all learn from this experience with Aniston, which, of course, has to do with the fact that kids, who we often think of as just kids and they can't really set goals or reach goals or take care of money or have budgets, well, Aniston proves all of that is wrong. So we'll take a brief break, and then we'll come back and talk a little more about overcoming the problems of entitlement by letting kids become independent at an earlier age. So we'll be back in a moment with Ayers on the Road. And we're back. I'm sitting here by this cute 11-year-old Anison, who you heard from in the first half. We're in Hawaii, for those of you who are just tuning in. And uh, this little girl earned her own horse for and all of the tack and all of the feed and everything it took to take care of that horse. So you um, could hear you, actually you could hear you could hear her whole story, right, Linda, from where you were. You're sitting right with her, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, okay. the other thing is that she, I just wanted to ask her one more question and let her go. But um, I just think the listeners need to hear exactly how she earned that money. Um, that's a lot of money. And in fact, we were with the cousins last summer and the cousins said, well, Anna, did you buy the horseshoes? And she said, oh, good heavens, no, that I can't afford horseshoes. They're more than the whole horse put together. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, I want, anyway. I want to say, you know, a lot of you who listen regularly know that we've spent a fair amount of time on this show talking about what we think is the biggest single problem that parents face, at least Western parents, parents in the U.S. and Europe and so on, and that is the problem of entitlement. Kids who think, hey, I'm entitled to have whatever I want and to have it right now and to have it without working for it and without saving for it and without waiting for it. And and part of the problem is in this electronic age, kids are used to getting things instantly. They get them instantly online. When they want an answer, they can Google it and they know what it is right away. And the whole entitlement mentality really robs kids of their motivation and their incentive and their ability to think creatively and figure things out. And we just thought Aniston such a great example of the opposite of that. Because not only did she get motivated, she found creative ways. That's what you're going to have her talk about in a minute, like how she figured out ways to earn this money. But, you know, I have to say this little caveat, Linda. Most, if you're out there listening and you're saying, wow, you know, I wish I had a child just like Aniston, don't hold your breath, folks, because there aren't very many kids like Aniston. We, she's exceptional, and you shouldn't. We shouldn't, as parents and adults, expect all nine-year-olds to have the kind of motivation and creativity that Aniston's talking about. But what we should expect is that we as parents can govern ourselves well enough that we stop giving kids everything and that we sort of get this, this word in our mind called ownership. And if we say, how can I run my family? How can I run my parenting? How can I run my parental philosophy in a way that kids feel ownership of what they have. If they pay something on their shoes, if they pay something on their 
clothes if they pay something, perhaps all of their gadgets. So they have some skin in the game, so they have some ownership. Then, not only do they maintain their motivation and their creativity, but they begin to feel the responsibility of the thing which they have just purchased. And I don't want to belabor the point, because I think you know where I'm going, but kids who experience genuine ownership of things, of things they buy, are only a step away from also feeling ownership of their education and their grades and their goals and their decisions. All these things we want them to feel ownership of, a good start is finding a money system in your family where kids really feel like they're earning rather than being doled out or given everything that they have. And Aniston's sort of an extreme but very, very effective example of that, Linda. So I just wanted to throw that in before you put her back on. Okay, I'm going to put her back on now, and then maybe you can go to a little quieter place because we can hear uh, the dive shop or wherever it is. Okay, I'm going to so I'm going to go on mute, but I'm going to come on when I want to comment. But you you okay. set Anna up and have her talk for a while, and you can ask your questions and have her respond to them, and I'll listen until a good time to come back on. Okay, she's just going to tell exactly how she earned this money, which is quite remarkable. Here she is. Yes. Um. So when I was little, again, um, I was addicted to horses. I couldn't. They they were just part of my life. Um. So when I was living in Utah, um, I went to horse riding lessons, but my mom said, "Okay, you have to pay half." It was thirty dollars, and so I had to pay fifteen. Um. I would just clean, um, most of my money I got from doing uh, lemonade stands. I did lemonade stands on my road. We had a pretty busy road that we lived on, and there was this open house thing in our neighborhood, and I made $200 in one day for um, a lemonade stand. And uh, so that went pretty quickly because I had writing lessons every week. And so I said, okay, I need to do something else, too. So I decided to clean bathrooms. I think it was $10 a bathroom. And I would clean my grandma's bathrooms and my uh, my mom's friends. or Yeah, and see, by the time um, we moved to Washington, I didn't have that much left. I still had a bunch of money in my savings. I had about $100 in my savings, not that much. But um, I moved to... Washington, and I thought, okay, I really need to get some more if I'm going to get this horse because the tax and everything else is going to cost a lot. So I didn't have that much left from all my lemonade stands, but I we had chickens, and I would take their eggs and sell them to the next door creamery, and they would sell those, and I would earn about six dollars each dozen, and then I'd get a paycheck after each month. It was kind of cool. And then um, I would also do garage sales. We had, in our school house, we had so much stuff we wanted to get rid of. We, we lived in kind of a, just a small house, and we had so much stuff that we had to get rid of a lot. So I would do garage sales, and I would make hundreds of dollars on those garage sales. So, yeah, when I, when I figured I had enough money, I was like, okay, I'm getting this horse. I'm so excited. And it's really really fun to know that you're paying for this and it's going to be completely yours like your dad can't say you you can't touch that horse because it's mine you know <laughs> because it's my horse because i bought it 
Okay, it's kind of hard to understand, but... <laughs> yeah. Jonathan, that is absolutely fantastic. She is just quite incredible, as Richard said. And uh, as we all know, we can't always find an 11-year-old like <laughs> But she's absolutely amazing. So... um I think we'll let Anna go now. Thank you, Anna, for your contribution on this show. We also need to um, say that her parents are as remarkable as she is. Wouldn't you agree? And, Richard, you haven't moved out of the dive shop. No, I'm actually, uh, we're out of the dive shop, but we're, we're at a place, there's a little waterfall here. I think it's all part of the ambiance, but I just want to follow up a little and say, um, you know, a lot of times people, parents will say, well, you know, thanks for giving us that financial advice. Thanks for giving us that economic advice on how to help kids to be financially more independent and so on. But I just want to go back to the bigger picture for a minute, and then you can chime in on this, Linda, and I'll go back on mute. But it's, it's not just about money. This is not about raising kids to be mercenaries. It's not about teaching them how to become rich or how to become financially independent. It's, it's about teaching the principle of ownership and that when we wait for something and we have to earn and we have to save and we have to have delayed gratification, when kids at a young age experience that, I mean, the, see, the main thing about Aniston is, yeah, she's a smart little girl and she's really articulate and she can explain how she earned all this money and that's all really impressive. But what the really impressive thing is that she now understands that when you work for something and when you have to wait for a while and you delay that gratification, you appreciate it more than you would otherwise and it means more to you and that's where joy and happiness really comes from, from the fulfillment of accomplishing something where you decided to do it and you went out and did it. And so when we talk about helping kids to earn money, and, you know, we've talked on this show before about just simple systems where instead of an allowance, they have certain tasks they're, they're supposed to do and they keep track of them and they get a payday on Saturday instead of an allowance day or a welfare handout day, then you're actually setting up a principle that will lap over into all other aspects of their life. And it gives you an opportunity to praise them in a way you could never do otherwise. And um, I just think it's a fantastic thing. And this darling old granddaughter of ours and her parents, I mean, some might say, well, that's a little extreme. I wouldn't want to go quite that far. But I tell you what, if I was going to err, I would err toward the side of giving a child more independence and not on the side of just giving them a little or, or continuing to sort of spoil them and entitle them in various ways. So I hope you'll all well, think about how you can replicate this, and I'll go on mute again, Linda, and listen to you wrap up. Um, you know, the thing that impresses me about this family is what really comes about when the kids are not entitled when you do give them something nice, they say thank you about 20 times. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Granny. Thank you. She's been, and I've been kind of entitling uh, the kids a little bit this morning. We've been shopping, and it is just so fun because they're so grateful for every little thing that they get. But I do have to say before we get to the end of the show that these kids are well-trained by parents who are very unusual. 
Um, they live in Hawaii. I mean, this is Maui, and they are self-sufficient farmers. They're growing. We had a wonderful squash, coyote, coyote um, squash last night with in a curry with venison, which Jonah had uh, somebody had given him a deer, and he skinned it, took care of it, and and it's absolutely amazing what they do. They have chickens, so that they're selling chickens for six dollars a dozen here in Hawaii, which is nice. And uh, Asia is teaching piano lessons. They're, they've bought this old crappy house, and they have turned it into a palace. It's so wonderful. It's clean and beautiful with bamboo floors, white all the way through, and you just feel like you've come to a beautiful hotel when you come to this house. It is just amazing what they have done just by sheer grit and hard work. And, uh, of course, when they sell it, they're going to do really well because this is their business. They build, they buy these old houses and then flip them. And I remember seeing pictures of Aniston scraping old linoleum off of the floor. She was 10 years old, and she is quite amazing. So um, it is just quite a wonderful lifestyle if you're committed to it and if you have the chance to do to do something like that. I, I surely... I surely second all that, and you've been wonderful to talk to today, you listeners, you parents in Radio Land. We're out of time. Join us next week when we'll bring you from some other part of the world, Ayers on the Road. 